What's going on, my brothers and sisters around the world? It's your boy, Terrell Humphrey, and welcome to Failure's Knowledge. Here at Failure's Knowledge, we empower people to become the best version of themselves each and every day. And how we do that? We lead by example. And for my guest for episode number 30, my guest, special guest, not only is he from the, the same town that I'm from, which is Little Rock, Arkansas, we went to the same middle school, the same high school, and man, it just it's just a chemistry that came within our first couple of sessions. For my guest today, Timothy Campbell grew up in the urban inner city of Little Arkansas. Graduated from Central High School in 2010. Yeah, that's right, 2010. He a little bit older, but you know, hey, hey, it's, it's cool. The older you are, the wiser you are. The wiser you become. You dig what I'm saying? And so Tim also graduated. Tim also is a proud Spring 14 initiative of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Upon graduation, upon graduation, he was successfully accepted into the U.S. Peace Corps program. He served as a community health facilitator in Gamble, West Africa, and, sub, and subsequently served as chairman of the In-County Diversity Commission for three-year stay. Following his two-year, okay, listen, as y'all can tell, my, my guess, my guess is very, very, very much. I want to, uh, his bio is really, is really impeccable. And I don't want to really like verbatim with that makes sense. So, Tim, what it do, man? What it do? Good, Terry. What's good, man? Man, I call it, man. Call it, man. How, how's your week been? Week been all right, man. I really been resting this week. Last week was a really, really long week for your boy. So, this week I've been kind of tapped out, man, doing a little bit more resting. Just kind of working on mm-hmm. some things that um that I've been meaning to work on for a while. How your week been, man? Man, this ain't good, bro. Man, <laughs> it's been blessed, man. I, I can't I cannot complain, bro. Just constantly growing, constantly learning, and finding ways how to become better than yesterday. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, you said you had a hectic week. What happened last week? Uh so last week, man, I had a um a premiere screening to a new documentary, uh, a PBS documentary connected, uh, search for unity, the rose that grew from concrete. Uh, so I, I, I was all hands on deck, me and my team last week preparing for that. And, uh, we had it downtown little rock. It had a nice turnout. Uh, we burned the city out, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably the most empowering part, you know, just to see people from the city, you know, that you know that you probably grew up with to come out, man, and check out the documentary. So, yeah, man, that had me exhausted last week, man. A lot of people don't know it's a lot of energy to go into event planning and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, me and my team, we resting this week for sure. A hundred percent. It's well-deserved. It's well-deserved, man. I, I ain't going to lie to you. It, when, I, when I seen you, when I seen you do all them posts, when I seen you in person for the first time, I ain't going to lie to you. I was like, he's a, a very genuine person, bro. And everything that you now accomplished over your your time, bro, that shit is amazing. Not only amazing, that shit is inspiring. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. And and a lot of people don't know you got another documentary out. Yeah, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. this is actually number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one done by a good friend named Angie from Palm Bluff. Uh, she she had the first idea to do one. This was two thousand and. 20 mm-hmm. um, and she just kind of wanted to come in and see my journey and you know how i was doing since leaving africa and everything well returning from africa 
you know. Uh, so that was an interesting, interesting piece she did. She did a dope job of, you know, just, just, just. That was all her work. She didn't have a team or nothing. Like just the editing, the the the, the videographer, the the interviewing. She did it all by herself. So mm-hmm. shout out to Angie Perkins for that great job on that first documentary. And what, I ain't gonna lie. When I watched them, I was like, Ooh, "Okay, it, it's, it's a lot more history than we than we think it is." To be honest, and and because I want to ask you, so before your documentary, before all this is said that you came in and and, and uh, accomplished, who was Tim Campbell before everything? Before all this is said, um, people on Instagram saying they can't hear me. Uh, before. <laughs> <laughs> before um before before I guess I guess the spotlight of everything, Tim Campbell was actually my nickname in Little Rock is TT. So I was TT Campbell. Everybody knew me, the football player at Central. Um mm-hmm. before that, man, just a neighborhood kid. Everybody knew I was, you know, from the Central area. Uh it was just I was a kid looking for hope, man. Um my mom, me and her struggled a lot, you know, in our relationship, which was also mentioned in the documentary and everything. So, you know, just trying to bring hope and inspire my my, my little sisters and my family and um, just really just trying to inspire hope at a young age, man. I just didn't know how. Right. Mm. I didn't know what I wanted to do to inspire the hope. I just knew I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was before uh, the world got hold of who Tim Campbell is today. What year was that? Uh, so I would say 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, and 12. I was definitely wondering and looking for guidance. I was looking for mentorship. I was looking for things that, you know, we usually just see us on TV, especially when you're a young black boy. You know, your mentors are the rappers. You know, your mentors are... For me, it was like, you know, going to the Martin King Parade and Little Rock seeing the car, the car shows. And, you know, you may see some family riding, riding around. And so that was kind of that was kind of the direction early, you know, as a child that I kind of leaned to. Um, but that changed when I got to UAPB. When I got to UAPB, mm. wow, it changed. It, it hit a 360. Mm. Um, 360 on me because I struggled my first semester in school. Right. Like I struggled. Just like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, football was not around anymore to keep me busy. So I had to, you know, construct my own life, my own lifestyle. So, yeah, that, that's that's who I was before, just trying to find myself, you know, just trying to figure things out. And I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know exactly how I wanted to go about doing it. Hmm. That's powerful. That's powerful. The reason why I asked you when and who were you before, all, all the success because a lot of people see what's going on today. They don't see everything that's, that's in the beginning. Because to be honest, I know I know for a fact that you that, that you need to face a lot of hardships. People ain't gonna see that. People are gonna see that. And, and the reason why I ask you that is because I was in the same shoes that you was in, meaning that I was trying to find myself. The re- so I joined the military back in like 2018. When I joined, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm thinking, okay, I'm good with people, but people is not really a skill. Being good with people is not really a skill. So let me go to the military and see if I can get some type of work experience 
Right. You can't realize life is a, is a people game. People, life is a people uh, uh, occupation. You can't do nothing without people. Without people, absolutely. When I realized that, bro, it was I realized in like 2020, because I'm very good at, 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 at understanding people, communicating with people, but I, just, I, didn't, I, I didn't know where I was going with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's yeah. why when you said what you just said, bro, that's, that's why I can relate to you so much because back, what you say, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, and 2012, you was like 22, 23 time frame, right? Yep. We're the same age. Figure it out. You know, I, it out. I, value, I value what you just said because I can't look up to somebody that I only admire, right? Because mm-hmm. if I only admire you, then all you can do it showed me this this perf- this side of perfection, this side of greatness, this side of glory, and I can't I can't use it as an example, right? I can be inspired by it, but it's not a really an example for me because mentorship is about relationship, right? How well can I relate to you? Mm-hmm. And the the barrier sometimes is that you know people call themselves mentors, but I can't feed from only from a story that's only good. You know what I'm saying? I need all parts of the peas to kind of figure out, you know, where in your story I can relate. You know, mm-hmm. and as a mentor, it's not your job to choose that. As a mentee and as someone coming in to be inspired, it's my job to choose which part of your inspire, which part of your story inspires me most. You know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like so it's unfair if I want mentorship and you're only giving me some of your story because that mm-hmm. gives me less to be inspired by. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love to be honest. I love to be authentic, man, about just, you know, just your platform and just the questions you ask. And it's important. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Just like you said, bro, you, you hitting it on the nail, man. You hit on the nail because we where we from, bro, we, we don't see what success is. We, we don't know that we can become what we become. And and this, that's powerful because we're really doing the same thing, to be honest. And you're speaking yep. from experience. You're speaking from experience. When did you realize that a person that you have to learn from a, a, what a mentor is and how to actually go towards finding them? When did you learn? When did you realize that? Uh, I learned that as eight, nine years old, bro. Um, mm. Because growing up, I didn't necessarily have role models. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily have people that I wanted to exemplify. Uh, I had the opposite, which is just as powerful, right? Like when you have people in your life that you're like, okay, I don't think I want to travel that road. I don't want to go that route or, you know, and you kind of look around and it's just you, you know? So now you got to be an example that you never see. So when you look around at your audience, you're like, okay, I'm not really looking to see, you know, I'm not looking, I'm not finding what I'm looking for in terms of aspiration and inspiration. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm finding a reverse to that, right? I'm finding things that I don't want to be like, people Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like. Places I don't want to go, I'm getting the, the opposite of it. So I might not necessarily know where I'm going, but I mm-hmm. darn sure know where I don't want to go. I might yeah. not know who I am or who I want to be, but I know exactly who I don't want to be. So mm-hmm. the learning curve is already curved. All I got to do is figure out the easy work, which is who mm-hmm. I am, where I want to go, because I know exactly where not to go because I didn't see enough people go there and who they have become after they have came back. Whether that be, mm-hmm. you know, street life, whether that be prison, whether that be drugs, whether it be, you know, anything, you know, and I'm not tying a bad knot on anybody that took those routes because those routes are necessary, right? 
But in terms of me, Tim, uh, I was able to observe those routes at an early age and say, all right, no, nah, that ain't for me, you know, early. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't necessarily have good direction. I had enough bad direction to put me on the right track. So, and so you grew from your environment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it becomes this thing of like not becoming a product of your environment, but a product of your decisions. Mm. And, you know, we always as black people say we have to grow up early. We have to grow up fast. We have to grow up, you know, uh, and be mature early on in life. And it's and it's and it, and, it, and, that, and that goes to what it's saying. Like the says says I'm not a product of, you know, my my environment, I'm a product of my decisions. So that means that whatever is around me regardless of how bad it is or how negative it is, I'm going to be a product of the decisions that I make daily, which is extremely hard, right? I don't want to sit here and act like that's easy or like that's, that's, that's checkers. No, it's definitely chess, you mm-hmm. know, because it's, it's, it's a thinking game now. Now, if you don't want to be something that is supposed to consume you daily from your family, from your food that you eat to the environment you go out inside and you play as a kid, like how can you not be consumed by that? You know, mm-hmm. so when I'm when I'm tractoring out of that environment over into the the decisions part of everything, I bring some of that environment with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's inevitable that I'm going to bring some of that environment with me on my way to right on my way to the, mm-hmm. to the to the path that's considered to be noble. I'm going to bring a little bit of that environment with me because without that environment, I wouldn't know the right way. So it's mm-hmm. going to be small little bits and pieces of Wolf Street, small little bits and pieces of Little Rock that's going to always be attached to me and who I am and wherever I go, regardless of how I seen it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And and that, that right there, you just described growing. Because like at first, when, when, as, you're, as we were learning more about ourselves, because you made a statement, you was like, it's easy to, the easy part is learning about yourself. I was going to ask you, that's easy? I was like, no, nah, that shit ain't easy. But you asked it again, but you was like, that's the hard part. But with that being said, it is more to everything that we're doing. But the, what we what we doing to uh, well, I can see. Well, to be honest, we, we're we're kind of like on the same path. What we're doing is bigger than us. It's bigger than Little Rock because a lot of people can relate to what going what we're doing. What we're going. A lot of people ain't even seen that. Yeah. So my next question to you: Why Tim? Why Tim Kemp? Can you can you be, uh, be a little concise with your questions, man? Okay, um, I got you. Okay, I got you. I got you. Why? Okay, so why, why should Tim Campbell be the example for our community? Why 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 should you feel like you're you're becoming something that you ain't never become? Um. So I think what you're asking is, um, in light of everything that I'm doing, in light of everything I've done, why me? Like mm-hmm. why? Um, I think that I have to say. I mean, my my desire is to inspire the youth, you know. So I would have to ask myself why the why the youth more so than why me because I'm out of the equation in terms mm-hmm. of uh the spotlight, right? You mm-hmm. know, my goal is to inspire people like yourself and younger. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of like I would flip that to ask myself, well, why do you choose the youth? Why do you mm-hmm. choose the work? You know what I'm saying? It's just like I've been in those vulnerable positions. I've been in those situations where um, I, I didn't I didn't know my why. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, 
I, I couldn't know my what because we didn't have the things to count, right? So I, I couldn't know mm-hmm. certain things. But what I did know is I had somewhere to be and I had to be there on time. And what I mean by that is I had to take myself out of it. I had to get out of myself and my ego and saying, that, oh, this is me doing this. This is something that 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 that, that I'm doing. And it's it's it's, it's and and I, and I have to realize that your blessings are not for you. When God blesses for you, mm-hmm. it's not for you. It's for other people so that your his his light may shine through you so that other people may know the grace. So my whole thing with that is it's like when God blesses me, it's not for me. It's for other mm-hmm. people. And, you know, in the streets, we say. Get it, break it down and disperse it. It's the same with the blessings. Like you get the blessing, you break it down, you understand it. You, you get 3D knowledge of what God is doing for you and you disperse mm-hmm. it to other people. Because what good is a blessing if you hold it in? It's not a blessing. It's a gift. And it's then those are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes God gives you something and say, hey, this is your gift. And it's something you hold on to. But even a gift has to be open. And when you open the gift and you look in there, it's nothing but blessings for other people. So mm-hmm. anything that you that you that you circle 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 your mind around in terms of you know public service or doing for others, you just gotta be sure that it's not for you. You know what I'm saying? And it can't be for you. It gotta be for other people. And that's just that's just the way it, that's just the way that's the law of service to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Man, what what you're saying is powerful because I understand exactly where you're coming from. And and it and it's and it motivates you to keep going when other people come to you and be like, man, what you doing, bro? Like, this, it just gave me hope. Like, they just inspire me to keep doing what I want to do or even try to pursue my dreams. Or I don't know where I'm going, what I'm going to do, but now I can try. Now I can take yeah. that leap of faith. And yeah. that's the hardest thing about finding ourselves is we're so afraid to jump. Yeah. And that, that's crazy. So so let's talk about your experience with, in, in Gamma. I think Gambia. Yeah, Gambia, Gambia, I'm sorry, yeah. Gambia. Yeah, let's talk about your experience in Gambia. Um, so Gambia was interesting, man. Gambia was, Gambia was no vacation. And I think that that's what hear, people hear when I say I lived in Africa for a couple of years. They may hear like, oh, vacation. Like he was there on vacation and he was kicking it. And it's like, nah, like, nah, that's, I don't want people thinking that. Um, mm-hmm. So when I, you know, as I said in the documentary, like when I got on the plane for the first time in my life, I was 20, I was like 23 years old, getting on the plane for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was leaving, uh, I was leaving Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And like, when I looked down and actually seeing like the top of Central High and I could kind of see my neighborhood, like it's different because I'm not standing there. I'm seeing it from a bird's eye view, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, wow, I begin to just tear up. I'm like, wow, like I'm finally seeing the place that, you know, made me, you know, bred me and just taught me from a bird's eye view because I'm being able and I'm blessed to leave out, you know what I'm saying, to go on another mission mm-hmm. elsewhere. So when I did arrive in the Gambia, man, the first day it was so different. It was extremely different. It was just, it was, it was unlike every, anything I'd ever seen in my life. It was far from Wolf Street, right? It was mm-hmm. like, as soon as I, you know, I got there, it was uh, very humid. Um, it was cloudy 
And I just remember a lot of dust when I got off the plane. I'm just like, wow, like it's different environment already climate wise. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into the airport, one of the first things I noticed in the airport is that people weren't walking around like an American airport, you know, with their own bags and, you know, going to their own destinations. Like Mm -hmm. people were like helping people get their bags other people's bags and I ain't never seen it. I'm like, why would you be helping somebody else get their bag? Like <laughs> people were helping people get their bags. Right. And it was like mm-hmm. a line of people waiting to help individuals to help them get their bags and make sure. So I'm like, okay, that was different. Mm-hmm. And so we left. Uh, I remember, I remember it vividly traveling through the motherland and uh, we finally stopped. I was extremely hungry. They fed us like some, uh, I think it was like some fried fries, maybe some rice. Whatever it was, bro, it got me good, and I went to sleep. The first night, I sweat. I, bro, I literally sweated out the entire bed I was living. It was a twin bed. I mm-hmm. sweated everything out, my clothes, everything. It was extremely hot. I just didn't prepare for that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went with the Peace Corps just to give context. United States Peace Corps is a very strategic international program that employs um, college graduates to do service and labor work in other countries in agriculture, health, uh, education, uh, any, and then there's like a lot of different sectors depending on the company. I mean the country. So, uh, but yeah, it was dope, man. When I got there, it was different from anything I ever experienced and it was no vacation. So first day first, I'm learning another language mm-hmm. in 97 degree weather on somebody's porch with a pencil and a paper sweat and trying to figure out how these people say hello or how these people say you know different things and it was it was a it was a struggle um mm-hmm. one of my mentors bakri jarami he uh bakri uh Kamara, he helped me tremendously man because i struggled because i had a southern accent so i'm already like no ma y'all mm-hmm. so it's different because they they mandinka is extremely fast language so it's mm-hmm. just like extremely fast, lightning fast. And I'm already like, I, I talk slow as it is. And I, 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 just, I, I slug my words. I'm like, oh, this ain't going to work. You know, yeah. but um, it was a, it, in the beginning, man, it was a, it was definitely an uphill battle. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had to bike everywhere. I had to ride my bike everywhere we went. I rode my bike. Um, and so it was different. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. different. It, it was a big mind, mind shift. My ship that, that that really the switch was like yeah, really, it was really brought something to you. Yo, yo, it was a light yo. switch. It was a light switch. With, with, okay, with, with with us being from Little Arkansas and from people that's watching this from Little Arkansas, what what advice would you give for just being this the only thing we know in this Little Arkansas? What advice would you give on that aspect? I I I I'm down for anybody getting and going beyond the walls of Little Rock, man, and going out to see other parts. Because even Palm Bluff was different for me. I went to UAPB. It was a different mm-hmm. culture down there. And, you mm-hmm. know, it was different It was different from Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even, you know, when I went to New York for the first time and got off the plane, I was just like, I was overwhelmed. Like, it was just so many people, you know, it was diverse. Uh, it, it was, the technology was a little, you know, a little bit more advanced so it was interesting man I, I i advise for anybody to you know go and explore man it took i was extreme don't you don't have to be like me i went all the way to west africa like one of the first times i got out of arkansas 
you know, mm-hmm. for a long extent of time. And um, I, but you know, I will say the people that I went to Peace Corps with, with they were they were very diverse. You know, uh, mm-hmm. very diverse group of people. Um, the guy that I spent probably the most time with was uh, he was from Europe. Uh, his family was from Europe. Uh, another mm-hmm. guy was uh, from Pakistan. And it was and it was just I was around different cultures within West Africa at the same time. So mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge was being exchanged. So I had a lot to learn from other people. And I didn't think that people had a lot to learn from me. I'll be honest, because I'm like, oh, I'm just from the South. Uh, you know, I don't I, I'm not really up on a lot of stuff. I grew up poor. So I really mm-hmm. couldn't tell you about um, technology and the new this and the new that. I'm kind of simple. Um, I drove a 95 Cadillac before I got on this plane. So mm-hmm. I'm not really, you know, adept on new cars and everything. So I didn't really th- think that I had too much to offer the world in terms of lessons. But I, and later I figured out that I had the biggest lesson to offer to the mm-hmm. world. And that lesson was one of, um, it's not where you come from, it's where you're going. So when I got in the Peace Corps, I think there were a lot of jokes around how I talked or you know how I articulated certain things I would say something I'd be like what it do and they like what he say you know they right. just like you know, like what he say you know yeah. so you know, and I had to adjust to that because you know that that and that was a hardship you know having to kind of integrate into multiple cultures and the West African culture at the same time so it was interesting man but I aspire anybody to you know take a trip and learn people and meet people and just get out because it's so much it's a whole world out here mm-hmm. that you know is waiting on people from like people from little rock so mm-hmm. and, and i agree and the reason why i asked you that that question in that way is because like we, we have some opportunities that's out here the you you found a mentor when you left the rock meaning that there, there's a lot of mentors that's not in Little Rock. So once we get out the out of our comfort zone and start traveling, start growing, start learning more about ourselves, we get placed to uncomfortable situations to where we have to adapt to the situation. No choice. What's the biggest thing that your mentor has taught you, the most important? I want to say the biggest. <clears throat> what's the most important thing that your mentor has taught you? Uh, So in West Africa, my, my boy Bach, man, the biggest thing he taught me was to be very observant of people. Like he was very observant. And just because he didn't speak, I didn't speak his language. He knew how I felt. Mm-hmm. Certain things I couldn't say, mm-hmm. he knew what I wanted to say. Certain mm-hmm. things that I couldn't really voice, he knew exactly what I wanted to go into when I was saying certain things, right? And I'm just mm-hmm. like, how does he know that? You know, <laughs> but he was extremely, extremely observant. He mm-hmm. would watch my moves, my, 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 you know, my patterns, you know, he would be tremendous. He was just extremely emotionally there, which mm-hmm. was new for me, you know, because I was raised by my dad, but he was also emotionally distant to a certain mm-hmm. degree, but he was also emotionally, this guy was emotionally closer, you know, mm-hmm. he could kind of talk to him about certain things in terms of my, how I felt because I'm in a new mm-hmm. country, right? I'm sweating every night. Like is rats running in my ceiling. Like I feel mm-hmm. away about a lot of stuff. You know, when I eat, it's not Burger King. It's not, it's not um Davis Burgers. It's not none of it's not wings takeout. It's it's whatever they slide out of that plate at night. You know what I'm saying? It's pitch black dark. Mm-hmm. You can't even see your hand at night. It's no electricity. Like, so I felt a lot of different ways. And he mm-hmm. seemed to be very, very understanding, but also very observant. You know, so he taught me the, the 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 lesson of observing, you know, and that came along with me learning the idea that people are 
who they are. And I think that's extremely hard for a lot of us to accept. But people are who they are, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if we're not talking about their future or their past, we're talking about in that moment. So mm-hmm. take it as face value. Take it as this person is exemplifying exactly who they are. And I shouldn't mm-hmm. argue with that. And I think a lot of times we want to save people and get in there and say, oh, yeah, I should. You, you're, you're not like this. You're better than this. And sometimes as a mentor, you can't do that because mm-hmm. you are scared off good potential because you're not accepting the person and you're not meeting the person where they're at. Mm. And so, so how I was raised, my mama raised three kids and so it was a single parent. So granted, we did see how hard she worked to provide for us. My mama did a phenomenal job raising us, but besides left, home left little rock i start to see things i ain't never see like for instance i start to see people like happy like why are you so damn happy bro like and 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 it really was a was, i was really confused from it because when i seen it, i'm like bro i'm not used to that i'm not used to everybody being happy but when i, when I seen it everybody well, first meet up when i my, the first meeting that I went to, everybody wants assist for the other per- person. Just like we said, yeah. when we was in Gambia at the airport, everybody was helping everybody. Everybody was helping yeah. everybody. So what you need help with? What you need help with? And they would just get a bag. The same concept when I went to the first meeting, bro, it was just like a, a good environment where everybody wanted to help everybody, either new, experienced, old, or young. It didn't matter what you look like, what you talk, 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 how you talk, and, and it, like, if you was experienced or not experienced. And that's why I understand because my mentors, they really, they really opened me up to a, a bigger aspect of life. Like you said, a lot of people, we, we try to get benefit of doubt to people. I mean, yeah, they, we do. We do. I, I do understand. I do understand. You always want the best for everybody, but what they showing you is who they are. Subconsciously, subconsciously. So, do you watch everybody that you come encounter with? Do you watch them like do you observe them like to observe you? Well, I I was already raised in the observation culture living on Wolf Street. You better be observant, you better watch, (laughs) you better tie your shoes up tight, you better, you know, kind of always look over your shoulder to see, you know, who's coming or what's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was the physical observations I was making, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to the Gambia, I learned a lot more about spiritual observations and really being able to take into somebody's soul because you know I'm, t- I'm around people that they're they don't know what it feels like to be on the phone all day. They don't know what it feels like to be at somebody's job from eight to five. They don't know what it feels like to um, be up watching TV all night. Be honest, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. after eight o'clock, you go in your you, you go in your your house. That's it. <laughs> like no TV, no phone. That's it. So when you're around people that have that much mental time on their hands, mm-hmm. it's interesting, bro. It's interesting because you become all of that for them. Right. So the way we watch mm-hmm. Instagram, me being a stranger from America, they're watching me. The way we watch TV and and Power Book, and you know what I'm saying? Like they watch me with that at that same intensity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what I learned was, you know, when it comes down to observing, you know, intelligence is, you know, one thing, you know, smarts is one thing, but intelligence mm-hmm. is to be able to watch something without judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> T- 
to watch something without judgment. To watch How something you- without so so what is it it's 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 another level of intelligence. So you watching some without casting judge on it, saying it's this or it's that, or trying to make um patterns on where it's gonna go next or where it can you just simply observing it just like you would the water if it was in the lake or just like mm-hmm. you would if you heard trees in your window at nighttime like you're not making an observance or you're not making any judgment you're just simply listening and taking in what's going on and it's a vulnerable place to be in because all we know is our judgments all we know mm-hmm. is our ideas, our opinions how we feel about something when you push all that kind of to the side a little bit to really just pay attention and observe you get a different outlook and a different outtake on different people right and i had mm. to be put in a position because they're speaking a language i don't know so i can't judge i can't make predictions i can't do any, i'm in a run almost like a baby bro mm. so I, i'm in that state of where i can only sit back and watch this whole different culture operate in front of me what time to wake up what time to eat like to the I point where i start making up judgments of are we gonna eat this today because mm. I, I can calculate it now but for the first mm. year i could Everything that came to me was sheer observation mm. of groups of people that were foreign to essentially who I was. That's crazy. Not, not just that's not crazy. That's amazing. That's amazing to be honest. Bro. So when, when you came back to the States after you left Gambia, what, what, what did you realize was different about yourself? Bro, I was different. I was different, like I was 360 different. Like I was different to the point where uh man, I was looking people in the eyes the entire time we were in conversation. Like mm-hmm. just observer, I'm just observe observing, like just looking at people directly in the eyes when I was talking to them and when they was talking to me, because in West Africa to break eye contact during a conversation was almost disrespect because they don't have mm-hmm. their phone to go look at. You know, they mm-hmm. ain't got no no updates, they Instagram ain't buzzing, so they looking at you. You know, and you looking at them, it could be an hour conversation and y'all just looking at each other having a conversation about sports. Mm. So that was something I think maybe threw a few, few people off when I came back. I'm just really, I already got the thing with eye contact. When I came yeah. back, it was, it was twice as intense because I'm really looking at people while they talking or sharing their ideas or whatever they was doing. I'm really just mm-hmm. keeping out, you know, not not necessarily judging them and I'm like that. I'm just really interested in what they had to say. And I think that's that's a different energy, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you know, okay, cool, whatever, and we keep it moving, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But like somebody is really like, you know, no, nah, you know, give me your pitch, no, nah, like, you know, what's up, what's on your mind? Like, cause that's all you got. Like I said, mm-hmm. Instagram social media world is not there. So our yeah. social media is you know, cracking jokes, or you know, it's more communal, it's more communication-based. So I was Adept to talk. I want to talk more when I got back because, you know, that's what I've been doing for two years. I've been having great conversations with great people, learning great things, you know. Um, I think I had a different view of women. Mm. I know I did. Mm -hmm. Because in the Gambia, women hold the Gambia up literally like with 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 in their hands they have that country in their hands so mm. if you go in the market and you want to go buy something it's 90 percent women in the market as entrepreneurs selling things get home when i got home my mom was cooking for me when mm. i woke up it was my mom waking me up when i woke up 
You know, my mom was sweet. My host mom would sweep the entire compound dust. She would sweep mm-hmm. the entire compound of dust, bro, mm-hmm. with a broom. And I'll show you the broom. Still got it? <laughs> that must yes. be on the wall. Still got it. <laughs> that must bro, be on the wall. This, with this, bro, they mm-hmm. and, it's, and it ain't got no handle on it. Like, you got to bend over to sweep. And they are sweet, bro, for like 30 minutes in the morning. First thing they do. So when I hear... I hear them sounds. Oh, it's time to get up. And the whole village is doing it. The whole village of women are doing it. So it becomes like this intense volume of just sweeping. And so that's when I get up. You hear a few chickens and you just hop up. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But then after she do that, she make a little breakfast. After she do that, she walk three to four miles to go to work, bro, in the hot sun. It's already it's nine o'clock in West Africa. So the sun already hot beaming. Uh-huh. And so when they get to the rice fields, they working probably harder. Just imagine working at Amazon, bro. Uh, 12 hour shifts, no mm-hmm. break, no shoes. Like you just out there at Amazon working, bro. Like that's the kind of work that a Gambian woman, you know, would pride themselves on. And they would go out to the, to the, and sometimes I, I, I ride my bike out there, you know, and I bring a little mm-hmm. music. You know, and I ride out and I play their favorite songs, you know, just to brighten up their day because I started to see the struggle. I started to see like, dang, y'all are really, really about it. You know what I'm saying? Like keeping up a village. It ain't just about y'all individuals. This is about a family, you know, and a family that's connected to the village and a village that's connected to the to the to the Gambia. You see this individual part playing on a on a macro scale every day. And it's just like, bro, the hard work of Gambian women with with little to no appreciation from the Gambia. Mm-hmm. It's just, it blew my mind, bro. Like, and it, and it made me understand women in a whole different atmosphere. Um, yeah, my, my views of women, women were extremely, extremely different. I remember my, I had a host mom. And so it was a point where we became so close. I'm calling her mom. It's my first time having a mother and a father in the same household in West Africa. Mm-hmm. And so I'm calling her mom and, you know, we became linked, like sold like link, like mom. She's like son, you know, so she, 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 she feeds me every day. She, you know, all that. So uh, it was kind of to a point where her and the guy was staying with my host father got a, a divorce mm-hmm. and uh, she left the village uh, and I just keep the situation out of it but she left the village went to another village i didn't see her for like two three weeks missed her bro mm. missed her. so she she was supposed to be banned from the village because she got divorced in the village so she's kind of like not allowed back yet uh-huh. so she comes back and so kids are coming up to my house saying like oh yeah my name was yaya i say like yaya you know um your mom is here your mom is here and i'm like who could they be talking about i know they're not talking about you know my host mom because she's not supposed to be here uh-huh. So man, bro, Terry, I, I I walk, I put my shoes on, I left my crib, and I went to the compound that they say she was at, and she was mm-hmm. sitting there, and uh, she was like, uh, her first words was just like, you know, have you ate? <laughs> have you ate? Like, I mean, like in two weeks, bro. She's like, have you ate? And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I ate. You know, I'm good. And um, she said, you know, have you missed me? I said, yeah, of course I've missed you. And she's like, no, nah, I don't think you've missed me. You're just joking. I don't think yeah. you've missed me. You know, you, um, 
X, Y, and Z. And then she said, I said, well, you know, because by now I can speak the language. I'm like a year in. I'm like, so why did you decide to come back? You know, she mm-hmm. said, I couldn't sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking about, you know, did you eat? You know, are your, are your, are your clothes washed? Mm-hmm. You know, like, are you okay? So I had to come back and check on you. Bro, I couldn't fight tears. I just couldn't fight tears, bro, because I, I'm a stranger to this land, bro. And, you know, over a year time, I've become so bonded. And the first question she has for me is, like, have you ate? And it's no shame of, like, oh, women belong in the kitchen or all that goes out the window, bro, because now it's just about care and and, and, and intimate dwelling, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, wow, bro. Like, she asked me how I ate, bro, and I just could tear up because it's just, like, that kind of love, you know, you from Wood Street, bro. We from, you know, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so that was my view of women changed, bro, like to a tremendous degree. Is that when your why got more defined? Absolutely, because I struggled with my mom growing up. So, mm-hmm. uh, when struggling with my mom growing up, she battled a lot of you know, addictions and, you know, just kind of things like that. I was in the DHS system, you know, growing mm-hmm. up. I got four little sisters. So it's mm-hmm. five women that I come back to with this new ideology, with this new framework of work of thought. And now it's just not a thought. It's a responsibility to treat these women differently. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just like I want to, it's I got to now. They got to be, good at all times you know what i'm saying like i'm gonna be that big brother i'm gonna be that role model for them you know if and buts out the window mm-hmm. so that that yeah yeah when i got back man i was a lot more i, I wanted to spend a lot more time with my little sisters um mm-hmm. just kind of you know figure out what their development was you know like not just okay high school woman no how are you doing you know what i'm yep. saying like mental health yep. became mm-hmm. really serious for me, when I got back, because, you know, it was just like I didn't go on a vacation, bro. Like I faced a crazy amount of challenges when I was in West Africa, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was it was mentally exhausting at times. You know, when I wanted to walk home from the street, uh, it's five. When I want to leave my village, it was like a four or five mile walk. Mm-hmm. And that's ain't no. That's it. Like, that's it, bro. So I had a lot of thinking time, man. So yeah, when I came back, bro, my view of women like changed, you know. And then, and just to even go deeper, um, you know, we were raised as little black boys sometimes to think that our boyhood, our manhood is calculated based on how many ducks we count. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Or how many um notches we got in our belt with women. And it's just kind of like, you know, I, for years, I was I, I was dumbfounded when I figured out that I thought that, you know, I was a player when I was in high school a little bit. You know, I thought that, you know, I was a cool guy. And I thought that, you know, this was the third. And, you know, I thought I had girls. And when I was a younger kid, like, you know, mm-hmm. as lessons, you know, but I never understood or admitted the power that girls had over me. Mm-hmm. And that's the mind flip, right? Because as a as an adolescent boy, you're taught, you know what I'm saying? You know, get as many notches in your belt as you can. But really, you know, from an African standpoint of view, that scene is like wasting yourself. 
You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that scene no. is like that scene is like diminishing who you are. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it just kind of means that you need multiple wounds to feel nurtured. And you know, you came from a womb and you spending your whole life operating around trying to get back in there at any yep. moment in time. And that's power. That's not mm-hmm. just power of your thoughts. That's power of your mind. That's power of your potential. That's power of your money. That's power of a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, a nation can't rise no no stronger than its women. So it's kind of like, you know, we think about the word nation. We don't, we think of, you know, thousands of millions of people. A nation is right in your household, you know, yeah. because a nation is built on a family. A family is built on individuals. Individuals are built on ideas, thoughts, and mentalities that come together. And you go right back up the chain with it. So it's just like, bro, I have to learn if I'm really going to do some building, then my nation got to be built on like real right morals, right? And also mm-hmm. having the right woman and the right female counterpart in my life. A hundred percent. I completely uh, I completely agree just because of I understand where you're coming from, bro. Everything that you're saying, I'm I'm, I'm relating to you in a way that I I've, I've experienced it. And, and and it's growing up, it's what we know. We see everybody getting all these women doing, you know what I'm saying? Just just, just like I said earlier, just that's what that's what the normal normal no no the normal was my bad that's what the normal was was a lot of females and you know don't really don't respect women well we respect them but we're not really respect them because we don't respect ourselves and everything yeah. that you just said you can tell that you grew each phase of your life each phase of your life and you never stop growing how important is that Bro, growth is the most important thing and tool that you have because, you know, and, you know, the documentary is titled The Rose of Group of Concrete, which mm-hmm. kind of ties into your question. Like, it's like, why the Rose of Group of Concrete? And it's like, I don't necessarily think about a Rose growing through concrete as I think about people and everyday humans growing through challenges. You know, and your concrete may look different on a daily basis. You know, it may be something that you may be struggling with. It may be something that, you know, you're trying to get through. It may be addiction. It may be anything that you may be struggling with. You know, and that rose is that part of you that um, is beautiful. It's just, it's talented. It's, mm. it's ready to conquer the world, right? But it's mm. just like, it can't get through the concrete. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, what God does is oftentimes he eludes us and allows us breakthroughs. And so when that rose actually does break through the concrete, you know, it doesn't look like the best rose. It doesn't look like yeah. the kind you can hold foods in that nice section that's getting sprayed with water every five minutes. It looks like a rose that grew from concrete. You know what mm. I'm saying? The petals don't look like the best. You know, the stem may be a little crooked, but you just be marveled on the fact that a rose grew from the concrete. And my goal is to let people know daily that whatever that rose is within you, don't let mm-hmm. the concrete or the environment around you stop it from growing. Mm-hmm. Despite mm-hmm. how much water you may not have, despite mm-hmm. how much support or guidance or attendance you may have, you got to bust through. You got to break through. Because like I say, your blessings aren't for you. They're for other people. So even when you mm-hmm. get that breakthrough, even that, when that rose grows through the concrete, you know, the first person to see that rose break through the concrete is not the rose. It's going to be who? Mm-hmm. It's going to be other people. It's going to be other people. So your yep. blessings for you. So your growth out a lot of times is not for you. 
know what I'm saying? You're growing for something for somebody that you probably can't even see yet, something you can't even touch yet, but you're in mm-hmm. you're inspired and growing for something greater than you. So growth is the most important part. It's not the easiest part, but it's definitely most it's most important. So. Bro, you know what's so crazy, man? You said earlier you you was like you didn't know what type of value you can bring to people. You didn't know that these that you have something where other people can learn from you. We was in Gambia, and yeah. and what we can't what I came to realize is that we as people as individuals have something to bring to the table. We don't know what that is because we don't know who we are. Once we once we continue to learn who we are, continue to grow, we start to we start to realize that every time I step in the room, I have some type of value to bring. We might not be in the same industry, we might not be doing the same same thing, but I have some type of value to bring. Absolutely. And it's just it's just the confidence within yourself and just believing everything you're doing is for a reason. Yep. And that's that's yep. why when I when I realized that, because my first time going to meet up, I was like, I really don't have no type of experience. I haven't closed up my uh I haven't closed up a real estate deal, I haven't done anything. Only thing I've been doing is just really taking action. Bro, it took me 16 months just to close my deal. Me and my uh my business partner, Dylan Brown, back in Arkansas. And when he closed, bro, I was in, I was in disbelief because I'm I'm thinking this whole time I gotta bring something to the table. I, I, I'm I'm not valued enough to close deals. I'm not valued enough to to actually be efficient enough in real estate. Right. When I closed that deal, bro, it, it took me a week to realize that this that this mug was real. Yeah. And, and when it closed, it took me like a couple minutes. I mean, it took me five five uh five days just to spend the money. I ain't got a fee. And I got uh, I charged a fee. I got charged a transfer fee. I was like, "She was crazy because I was about to quit doing real estate." God, God put us in situations to where He knows where that we can handle it, bro. I was yep. about to quit. I, I promise you, I was about to quit. I was like, "Bro, I'm just gonna focus on podcasting, let the podcasting fund my real estate." Yep. When that deal closed, I realized I wasn't educated enough. When it closed, mm-hmm. I invested back to myself. I invested to my education. So now I understand. The value that I have to bring. This is a little bit more because I'm more of more educated. And any objection that you have, I can direct you in a way that will help you. Because it's not about the property. It's not about the property. It's about what problem do you have? What problem do you yeah. have that I can potentially solve? If I can't solve, yeah, yes, yeah, sir. If I can't solve, in order, it, in order to solve problems, I gotta know what you need. And oftentimes, exactly. you know. You know, we can go be honest, bro. I mean, we we grown men here. We from the government down to nonprofits, down to individuals, bro. Mm-hmm. Throwing out solutions that has nothing to do with what a person may be going through in their day to day life. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do. You know, a lot of the times, a lot of the services for the person that's providing, and not the person that's receiving it. You mm-hmm. know, but you know, when I provide services, it's good that I was on both sides. It was good that. You know, God blessed me and anointed me to be in positions to where I can give out backpacks or I can, you know, feed individuals dealing with um, or currently dealing with um, not having a home. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, 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 it's different when you've been the person that was standing in the welfare line, you know, the person that was, you know, waiting on the government assistance, you know. So I've seen both sides. So not only do I feel the pain that comes with the service, I also can feel the pleasure of, you know, providing a service at the same time, bro. So it's more mm-hmm. of a three. So I'm not saying that 
everybody needs or are synonymous with minds, you know, but everybody, if you plan to do some kind of service work, it's important to do some type of needs to serve needs assessment or some type of mm-hmm. survey to know what exactly, and it could take five minutes if it's an individual, you know, session with someone. And like we talked about mentorship, some people are mentoring people and some people are telling people things that have nothing to do with <laughs> what they're actually going through, but it just sounds good. It's clickbait. Right. Yep. And, yep. Um, that's not helping people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's not helping people at all. So, you know, my whole mantra behind services, bro, like like you talked about growth, man. If t- Education is a two-way street. If I'm educating you or if I'm teaching you something and I'm like learning something in return, then it's not education, mm-hmm. right? Itself, mm-hmm. It's a whole lot of selfish stuff going on in that conversation because I should be learning just as much as the person that I'm educating is learning. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Education not a one-way stick it's a two-way stick so if you know you're a teacher and you're teaching a class and you're not learning from the class as the class is learning from you then you fail you fell in the system of education itself so every mm-hmm. i mean he's saying with service bro like if you're providing a service to someone that you feel like they need and they're not rendering you some in return that you can pick up on whether it's grace patience the thing it could be invisible it could be the things mm-hmm. that you can't you can't touch, but something is 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 coming back to you in 360 that you're humble enough to accept. Mm-hmm. The service, the service rendered is 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 it's obsolete. It 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 really is. When did you when did you decide to start a nonprofit organization? Uh so the nonprofit, the Arkansas Movement for Change, started in 2020. Um okay. the George Floyd riots and the door George Floyd murder, as mm-hmm. I like to call it. Um, mm-hmm. and I just, I had a different take on it. I, I felt responsible. I felt like I had to go do something. I felt like, um, you know, somebody has to, you know, step up if they can. And it wasn't just me. It was tens of hundreds of people that stepped up in the city of Little Rock. Mm-hmm. to the plate and it was like, hey, um, this is this is what needs to be done. And this is how it's going to be carried out. And over time of me, uh, Drinker Wrights, Oyata Poet, Darren Kidd, Junior Young, we started something called the Arkansas Movement for Change. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that is to provide safe spaces for millennials, um, mm-hmm. young adults, uh, whether it be through the events that we host or whether it be through volunteerism or however you also to, um, provide resources, you know, back school mm-hmm. drives. Um, like I said, dealing with people to who ha- who do not have a home currently, um, and, and just kind of like unblurring the line of otherness. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, oh, they need help. They're the other. Like, you know, like unblurring that line. No, it's been times we all needed help. You know, 100%. so movement for change. The name actually comes from you know the movement. Like, the movement is you. And you know, people are like, what's the move? Like, what's the move? You know, like after you book 10 to 12 moves or six to seven good moves, now it's just not the what's the move. Now you're looking at a movement, right? And that's, that's the goal to get out of the idea of just making moves to where you can sit back and see it from a bird's eye view and see your whole movement, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then if we can be of any assistance to that, that's the type of energy you want to curate. So, that's that's amazing. That that, that that is really amazing, bro. Because everything that I'm doing, everything that we're doing, to be honest, that we're educating the message that there's more out here. 
they like granted we're from Little Rock, Arkansas, but just because we're from Little Rock, Arkansas doesn't mean we can't pursue what we want to pursue or don't even you know be the example for our youth, our community. Absolutely. And, and that's that's really that's really powerful because what you're doing you're doing it on a on a on a, on a higher level to higher level to where you enjoy doing it. It's not a job. Yeah. It's not a job. It's not a job at all. Do it for free. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 and I feel that everything I'm doing with the social media content, with like uh, real estate, I, I'm providing value in a way that I know how to. Right. That is powerful. Absolutely. That is powerful. For somebody that wanted to start a nonprofit organization, what, what advice would you give? Um, well, I'm not the expert at starting nonprofits, but I would say uh, don't be afraid to start small. Um, I think everybody started small. I hope they did. Um, so you can really, really get into the education behind what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you won't skip steps. Skipping steps is all oh, it's vital. Like mm. skipping steps is not a fun thing to do. It feels good in the moment, but it's actually one of the most hesitating things like to anybody's process, skipping steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just, you know, challenge anybody to push through their process, start small, find a small audience to uh, cater to, you know, whether it be with, you know, your word of mouth, your speaker, whether it be resources that you can provide, whether it be youth development, youth empowerment, which is always needed, whether it be uh, international, whatever it is, find a small audience to kind of, target and say hey i want to start here you know before mm. we branch out because it's so easy to have these grandiose ideas around what you want to do and how many people you want to influence we live in an influencer world now right where oh mm-hmm. i want to get a hundred thousand likes on my post i want to <laughs> if i give out a backpack i'm gonna take a picture of it so everybody can see it and it's just like no nah, i wouldn't advise anybody to try to start there you know i wouldn't mm-hmm. i wouldn't advise that um start from your heart and you know, let that kind of be the guide into what you want to do because it's non-profit, exactly what it says, non-profit. So it's not uh something you want to go into thinking that you want to calculate financially on. You gotta go in with the work in mind first. Mm-hmm. So that would be definitely some advice I would give. And, and you say something about a speaker, you're a keynote speaker too, right? Yeah, so uh part of what I do is um uh, motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, youth development workshops, um, youth advocate, um, mm-hmm. you, you name it. I speak about uh, four to five times a month. I'm trying to increase that right now. So, uh, yeah, so I think I think speaking with something that has been a gift and something I ran from from a long time. For a long time, I would sit in the back of class. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to say nothing. I didn't want to answer any questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of was in my head a lot, you know, because of the things that I was dealing with at home or in my environment. So, you know, um, but now, you know, I have to kind of realize, you know, God got to call on me to say something, you know. So mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm not speaking for myself. Sometimes I can be speaking for other people, you know, kind of like the voice for the voiceless. And I think that keeps me going because, like I said, again, my blessings that are in my gift. It's not for me, right? When you think about the gift, oh, I got a gift, or this is my gift. When you open up a gift, it's just a blessing. It's just a, it's just a, a, a lot of packages for other people to open. 
So, mm. I mean, that's that's what I see speaking as, man. It just, it's just it's a time to engage, you know. And like I said, education works both ways. So while I'm educating or motivating or inspiring, inspiring people, I'm also getting that in return from seeing, you know, how engaged people may be or, you know, the questions, you know, the youth may ask, which is always great. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking, what, man. What, go ahead. What you say? I was just saying, speaking, that's definitely my passion. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm uh becoming a motivational speaker too. Oh yeah. yeah yes, sir. Bro, I'm, you you I mean, I'm your first audience, man. I'm I will <laughs> say, man, I'm over here inspired, man. Some of the things you're saying, you know, with whether it be military, we got the same track record. We went to Dunbar Central. Mm-hmm. I think your audience will know that, man. Like those stumping grounds, those inner city schools taught us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, man, and it's just um, it's amazing to see two people travel the same places and still end up on a conversational call, man. So, man, I'm definitely inspired, man. I'm motivated by you and your journey, and what you do on real estate and in the military, and just being that kid from Little Rock. Yes, sir. That's uh, that's what it's all about. Just because we're from Little Arkansas doesn't mean we can't be a motivation speaker. We can't learn about real estate. We can't have another proper organization. We can't create content. Like there's so much things that we can do. This just this just our niche. This just what we're good at. When I, what what we nothing fell, fell in love with because I had created like an ebook. Um, I think what, what's say Tuesday. I, I started creating on Friday or Saturday. And so when I created the e- well, the purpose behind this ebook is for when people want to start making content or have a blueprint to start doing something, this, this ebook is gonna tell you this is my experience. This is my experience, and this is what I went through. And and I, I wanted to help you. I I'm not charging, I'm not gonna charge anything for, from it for it. I am gonna copyright it though. I am gonna copyright it so that way people ain't stealing my thoughts. No, nah, nah. yeah, but yeah, you got to tie your hands. A hundred percent, but it is more to like everything I'm doing. Like just, just prime example, fair use knowledge, bro. Everybody had, everybody's in a certain situation to where they want to start. In order yeah. to grow, in order to learn more about yourself, you gotta feel, you gotta suck at doing you things. It's, a, it's a mandatory. A hundred percent. I'm pretty sure your first time speaking. How, how, how did that go? How did your first time speaking on stage go? My first time speaking on stage, uh, actually, um, my grandfather ended up cutting down a tree outside. And so mm-hmm. one of the stumps was probably like the same height as me, and he brought it in the house. And he was like, <laughs> you know, uh, get behind the stump and, you know, just act as if, you know, you're speaking to me and your grandmother. We're your audience. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I was saying back then. Terry, I don't know what I was saying, bro, but I was saying enough to get me to the point now to where that stump still resonates with me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if you're listening, Paul, you know, I never forget the tree stump. You know, you 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 curated something that you just you don't you don't know what you did. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes our parents, they they don't know what they put in our lives, you know, but the things that they put in our lives, man, we use it as tools for the rest of our lives. But the first time I got on stage, bro, like Easter speeches, Christmas speeches in church, I bombed all them joints. Like, I suck. I used to get up there, like, I have my stuff on my hand. Like, get up there. I'm reading it. Yeah, I know it. I get up there. And I get up to the mic. And I just be, like, looking at people. <laughs> Heartbeat being fast. 
looking at your parents like that's your boy, like that's your son. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll be back, bro, because I used to just get brain freeze every time I went up. So yeah, man, like it took me a while to get to where I'm at. You know, now I get in front of an audience, it's bro, I, I feel like I I'm I got just got off the table from getting a massage. Like I'm extremely relaxed, mm-hmm. you know, when it's time. Um even with the documentary, that was the hardest part for me, bro. A documentary about how you know your life went and the vulnerabilities that came with it on national television, mm-hmm. and everybody got to see this, bro. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of times like I was like, "Hey, cut that! Hey, oh no, <laughs> let's do that again." Because when you think you're ready to be vulnerable, you know, vulnerable will tell you differently. So there's a lot of spaces in that um, where I had to kind of really, really come home to myself. Because mm-hmm. I was nervous. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I ain't never seen a documentary before in front of all these cameras and stuff like that. So, you know, I had to kind of uh pace myself, man, and yeah. let my vulnerability lead, you know, instead of trying to bring my vulnerability into a place that it really didn't want to go, which was on camera, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, that was a that was a moment where I just I thought that I was a great speaker, and then uh they put them cameras in front of me. I'm like, uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Have you start? Have you started uh, recording your content or not your content? Have you started yeah, recording? Now, I have recorded my content. Um, I think the hardest part is hearing myself speak. And then when I was watching the documentary, I was pounding, bro. Like, oh, you know, watching yourself speak, hearing yourself speak on HD camera is different because you're like, oh, that's me. Like, oh, my head really is big. Like, oh, like. I need mm-hmm. to get back in the gym. Like you really can see everything. You can hear your enunciations, your pronoun- uh, the way you pronounce things. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, you really get the full measure of you. And I think I've been hesitant to kind of publish my content, but you know, yourself, you have no issue with that apparently because you do podcasts and you publish and post these things. I look down your list. I say, Oh man, this dude, you know, like confident what he doing because he, he you know, like, you 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 constantly seeing yourself because of the content you gotta make. So I admire mm-hmm. it in you because that's not easy to do, man. Uh, uh, and bro, it's not. To be honest, I'm gonna tell you why I'm so confident in doing it now. So in January, what uh, I know, I know we've been on like an hour. How, how much do you uh, you want to do? All right, let's get into it. Okay, for sure, for sure. But in January, um, I had surgery on because I'm gonna get a tooth implant. But prior to January, I never took my flipper out. I had a flipper in the place of my mouth, of the tooth that was missing. And so when I I took it out and I had surgery, bro, I was going to stop doing content just because I didn't want to show the missing tooth. I didn't want to show my Mm. description because I'm going to look at it every day. I'm looking at it. Somebody else is going to look at that bitch too. And so I was going to stop because it's like a six month process of from the first 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 surgery because I get a bone graft from the first surgery all the way up into the implant is actually placed to your mouth. It's like a, a six month process, and I got to thinking. I was like, bro, that's a long time not to be that's making your content. That's a long time, bro. Six months. That's what you do. hundred yeah. percent. It, it's a long time not to making no content just because I don't want to show my my, my the, the tooth that I'm missing. I got right. thinking. I was like, bro, who cares? Who cares? The reason why I'm so confident now because I see the the, the the motivation that I'm giving. I see the, the example that I'm becoming because I'm keep doing everything. I I I, I was a stop, but that this the point of learning who you are and actually 
pushing through, actually taking the leap of faith, actually trying, actually doing this. Because when yeah. I first had surgery, bro, remember, so we, we was uh, wearing masks because of COVID, right? Right. I'm the only one wearing masks just because I didn't want to show my gap. Mm. My buddy, my buddy, uh, my, my brother, uh, Ethan, he was like, huh, are you that insecure? I said, yeah, what you mean, bro? I, yeah. I haven't walked around with a missing tooth for like eight years. So now when I, I'm so confident because I, I, I see the power that I have in order to inspire people. If I stop, somebody else is going to stop. If I stop, right. that means it's okay to quit. It, it, that's what not, that's the brand represents pushing through the urge to to quit when things are hard. I like that. I like that. And, like and guess that. what? Once we once we get out the live, I'm gonna send you the. Uh, if it's okay with you, I'm gonna send you the ebook. Okay. Yeah, bro. That's that's heavy, bro. Because a lot of times we don't understand insecurity be the smallest things. <laughs> like the smallest, smallest things, bro. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had plenty of insecurities, bro. I think something that I grew up with. Um, so I grew up, bro, and I used to always be like, like separate from the kids in my class were reading. So we had our own little circle in the back, you know, mm -hmm. and they would take us out because we probably couldn't read at the pace that everybody else could read. So when it was time for me to read, I would just get in trouble. And just mm -hmm. get put out and read, bro, because I knew I probably wasn't the best reader. I know I wasn't the best reader. Mm -hmm. So they had, like, hooked on funnies coming to my house. You know, they have sent a little package. You open the box, put the headphones on, press play. You know, mm -hmm. all day, mm -hmm. bro. Like, um, and as a five-year-old, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I would just go to sleep listening to like the little song i hear still hear it in my head bro like um so i just didn't have that confidence bro in education like i just didn't have that confidence in speaking because i couldn't read well and um i would have a tutor come out i was in the hippie program was kind of like for second chance um mm -hmm. kids that were like you know struggling with mainstream school never seen an ap class in my life bro so it was just like <laughs> This was the route that I was taking, you know, and I was always insecure about it. You know, when my mm -hmm. friends would pass notes in class, probably couldn't read it. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I wasn't a good reader, bro. Um, so with that being said, that's definitely something that held me back from speaking for a long time. Mm -hmm. Not being able to read, not feeling confident enough to read. Maybe I could read that whole time. My confidence wasn't there. So mm -hmm. uh, that's something I still battle with. And, you know, as you can see, bro, I got to. You can't see, but bro, all I do is read, bro. Like mm -hmm. I read, like that's all I do is read, bro. Like I show you my library, bro. Like all I do is read. Like this is my library. Ooh, like, I need a bigger shelf. <laughs> that's on. my library, man. Um, all I do is read, bro. Because, and it's not just a, 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 a educational thing, bro. It keeps my mind going. Oh, you got a nice selection too. It keeps my mind going. It keeps me going. It keeps me confident in my day-to-day -day life, bro, with interacting with people. My cognitive be right. So I know reading is going out of style, apparently. Nobody likes to read. It's all about YouTube now, TikTok. And you can. I learn stuff on TikTok all the time. I learn stuff on YouTube all the time. I, bro, I'm a YouTube king. Like, I stay on YouTube. <laughs> I think I got the premium package. So that's why I won't have to get the, uh, the advertisement, bro. But, yeah, like... Mm -hmm. 
it's so many different ways to learn now, but I think reading is definitely my favorite one because of my struggles growing up, you know, with reading mm-hmm. and everything like that, man. And and like you said earlier, I made a video when I had made the made my mind up about how insecurities is holding us back. Because really, to be honest, the more control that we give our insecurities, the more that we're not going to do anything. They're really holding us back from the scene because we're letting our securities control us. Yeah. And like, like you had said earlier, you know what I mean? I, I got a big head, man. I'm gaining weight. I need to get back in the gym. This, that, this, that. Bro, everybody is listening to a story. Everybody is not paying attention to a small discrepancy. You're yeah. paying attention to it because it's you. It's you. You know? And everybody, everybody that, that, because when I watch, I'm like, okay, damn. Okay, the first, the first uh, documentary that I had watched, you had went to the library and you had picked up some book. I can't remember the name of the book that you had picked up, but you had picked up some book. Uh, I think the it was Carter G. Who? It was Miseducation of the Negro of Carter G. Woodson. That one. It was, it was that yeah. one. The book that I'm reading now is called Warriors Don't Cry. By Melba Patilio Bills. Mm. You know what that is? I'm not. No, I need to. Look, I need to Google that one. I think I heard of the title, but I don't know the author. I like to know authors. That's my mm-hmm. thing. Like so, uh, send me that in the chat afterwards, bro. I love to check out who that is, man, and and, and what a little bit of what he talks about. You know, what's so crazy. It's a it's a woman, and you. Oh, it's a you, woman. Okay, okay. She, she was part of the Little Rock. What was the first name again? Melba. M E L. Oh, you said Melba. I thought you said Melbourne. Okay, okay, okay. Melba. <laughs> okay, okay. Cool. Yeah. When I had a video and you had picked up the book and it was like, this is my favorite book because, like, the, the story that he tell, like, I said, damn, that's really a history book. That's really a good book to read just because you learn about other people's journey and their experiences. Yeah. That that book that I'm reading, uh, Warriors Don't Cry, bro. I'm I'm visually reading everything that's going on with her in, during this time in 1957. The century got segregated. That during that time, bro, it was so hard for them. Now, and I, I want to read each and every one of their one of their books because it's a different story for everybody. If they if they do have a book, but stories are powerful. It is. It is. And like, I'm just reading it, bro. I'm like, highlighting it. I'm really in tune with this, bro. I'm, I done read like a couple books, but like with this one, it, it hit home because one, we went from, we from Little Arkansas, they went to the same school that we, that we went to. And if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have even been able to get in there. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. And yeah, that, that's what Go ahead. You said what? History is important. We didn't learn enough about it. Mm-hmm. So me, you asking me my opinion. Like I, I wish I would have learned more about the Little Rock Nine, their individual lives. You know, like mm-hmm. I knew all about like Colonel Ulysses S. Grant, and I knew all about their individual lives. How many they were married, if they mm-hmm. you know, when they died. But like when it came to Little Rock Nine, it was like, oh, it was just group effort to desegregate schools. And okay, next page. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. 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 As I would have liked it to, as a tenth grader, as a ninth grader, so I definitely see the focus. Why the focus should be on, you know, African American history, man. It's 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 definitely it's essential. And but that's not even where I started with reading. You know, like my mm-hmm. first book, my first favorite author was a guy named Jiddu Krishnamurti, 
and mm-hmm. he was an Eastern teacher, you know, mm-hmm. and it's one of his books. This is a picture of him. It's called Freedom from the Known. And, bro, like, the table of contents is like, when I first opened it up, it's like, man, the first chapter, number one, is like man's search. Uh, and chapter number two is learning about ourselves and simplicity and humility. Chapter number three, consciousness, totality of life. Number four is pursuit of pleasure, desire. Like, I mean, this dude, like he had a, he had a, something that I still live by today. Like life is essentially the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. Bro, when he said mm. that, bro, I'm just like, I was blown away. I had to read more of his content. Now I got probably every book he probably wrote. <laughs> Here we are seven years later into it, and he's still, you know, my favorite author and everything. But, mm-hmm. man, like, yeah, reading is powerful, bro. It's powerfully important as well. It is. It is. The, the first book that I read that really got me tuned with, like, a, the, the mindset that I have, I need to change it, bro. I ain't yeah. gonna lie. Rich dad, poor dad. Yeah, you you Bro. introduced me to that a little bit the other day, man. When you when I when you, when you came in town, man, I was just like, <laughs> oh, I need to check that out. I got it. I got it sitting right here, bro. I just haven't really had the time to sit down and get into it, bro. I ain't gonna lie to you. When I read it, because you know how you get books referrals from other people saying and they be like man i just read this book and you should read it or whatever case but you hear it from a video right i got that book bro i read it i said hold on hold on man that they, they, they can't be real they can't right. it can't be that simple it can't be that simple i know there's a little bit more to it then i really got thinking i'm like bro this that, me subconsciously not knowing it really changed the way i think the way i talk the way i act because right. I mean, granted, if you ask somebody that's in real estate, what's your favorite favorite real estate book? They're gonna say Rich Dad Poor Dad. But to be honest, it's not even about real estate. It's about understanding what an asset is versus a liability. Understanding that that, that terminology, to, that terminology to you can put it to your best interest. Yeah. Because the only thing we know is liabilities. Facts. And I ain't going to lie to you, bro. I, I, I read three of his books. He got like 12, 19 of them. Hold on. Let me, let me show you oh, wow. this one. That mug pretty hefty. Got to invest in, uh, got to invest in with the rich, invest in that the poor and middle class do not. Then I got you the cash flow. You said something earlier that goes into that financial part, bro. Like you said, you talked about people and the power mm-hmm. of people. And like, mm-hmm. it's a new currency out here, bro. And it's, it's new. It's currencies are growing every day. It's just not the dollar no more. It's like you have a currency. Okay, you got your financial currency, economic currency, but then you also got what's this thing called social currency, right? And yep. social currency is just becoming more important than economic currency. They're ha- they're paying you to have social currency. So if you get a certain amount of social currency on followers or anything like that. You know, they'll cash you out for how many people you know. You know what I'm saying? Because essentially, mm-hmm. you know, like resources grow off relationships. And we don't want to acknowledge it all the time. We want to get it out the mud by ourselves. I did this by myself. And a lot of times we do. We are disfordered a lot of them opportunities to where we can build and grow with other people. But um, the first level of building a team is trust. And mm. a lot of times in our community, we don't get past that level. So it's harder for us to build and build on resources with other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, we it's harder. Mm-hmm. Three things 
make a community. You know, Dr. Claude Anderson says that three things that make a community are common ideas, common ideology. Um, the second thing to make a community is a uh, financial economic system that's censored mm. and held by accountability. And um, and it's one more, but something he said in there is just like a lot of time in our black communities, we don't have black communities. We got black neighborhoods. And, you know, the sense of neighboring is gone now because we don't trust each other. Now we just got the hood. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, but them, them, them social responsibilities we need, bro, they got to continue to play out if we want to make money together. You know, and I, and I used to always be like, you know, maybe we can do this. I, maybe I can just do this by myself. Maybe I can grind by myself. And I'm like, no, no. I, now I see the importance of a nation, of a family. Because a lot of the times we talk about the, wall, the Walmart. Is sponsored by who? The Walton family, Dillard's. That's the last mm-hmm. name. The last names we're talking about: Gucci, mm-hmm. Louis, Goldman, and Sachs. Those are two last names that came together. It's like families coming together. Do they like each other? We don't know. Do they care about each other? That doesn't really matter. But we do know that the income is the output. You know what I'm saying? And it's just mm-hmm. like we got to there to where we can build up our families first. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hard to come up, you know, in debt. To what your family didn't have, and then surpass that in ten years, and say, mm-hmm. "Oh, look where I'm at now." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, college. I, I went to college, you know, but you already sinking in debt after college, and now you still trying to figure it out. So it's just like we got to put more emphasis on the family structure if we really want to build economically, man. Because a lot of times we skip over the fact that a lot of this is just. It's family business, bro. Like, you know, you hear it in the, in, the, in the mobster movies. Like, it's family business. And that level of accountability, you know, it's 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 a must, man. It's a must, bro. You talking that talk, bro. Because I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, bro. Because uh, I, I forgot to ask you about this, what, what you think networking is. But you just hit it on the nail. Because when I came to realize that I can't do everything by myself, them 16 months I was trying to do it, yeah. Okay, cool. Me and my business partner were trying to do it, but we two inexperienced people trying to trying to build something out of nothing. Not only was I working with Dylan, but I was working with Kyle Thompson. I probably had like probably three business partners, but we're all inexperienced. Once I came to realize that you don't have to know everything, you don't have to be doing everything within your business, within your life, with, with everything, because you don't know everything. We don't know everything. There's somebody that's been, been in real estate for like 20 plus years that really experienced on um, level trying to get to. Yep. Why is it that we have to do things by ourselves? Why is it that we can't bring in people to help us? And, and my personal opinion is we just so crap. We just egotistical to where we can't reach out and ask for help. We, 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 can't, we can't have a, a, a conversation about, hey man, how do you get to that level? Man, I'm starting off. Like- Easier said than done, bro. A lot of times that's just yeah. reality, bro. Yeah, it's just reality. Like you don't have those people around you that's interested in intellectual conversations that will spark, mm-hmm. you know, some financial change outside of something that's quick. Like a lot of times yeah. you don't have those alleyways of safety and security to where you can say, "Hey, how did you get there?" Without somebody charging you for the game, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Or, or mm-hmm. come to my workshop, or come to my two day. You know what I'm saying? Sparkful activity that's going to teach you everything you need to know about the X, Ys, and Zs. Like it's really mm-hmm. more so easier said than done. And like your first, you know, political base is your family. You know, and that's why yeah. it's important. For family eat to eat at the same table together to discuss 
family issues, political issues. You learn value. You learn law. You learn all these things at the table, bro. When you wasn't at the table sitting down, and you was in, you was eating your cereal in your room by yourself with your TV, bro. That mentality follows you through life. Mm-hmm. Eat by myself. I'm gonna eat by mm-hmm. myself, bro, and I'm gonna go get mm-hmm. it by myself. And it's important for us to break that, you know what I'm saying, before it becomes a detriment to who we are, you know, and we end up in a, unfortunately, as black males end up in a unfortunate situation where we're trying to get it quick or eat by ourselves, you know, get us 10 years backwards. Um, 100%. So, but yeah, man, this has been a very insightful conversation, bro. Very insightful conversation, bro. Man, it has. It's a beautiful platform, man. (laughs) We an hour and thirty hanging, man, and we 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 just like we getting to the meat to it, man. But I didn't definitely enjoyed the conversation, man. Every second, man, I, and, and I really appreciate you for agreeing to do with me, cause man, cause like bro, that, that's what we what we can. That's what we're here to do. Just bring value as much as we can to to inspire those that's watching us that you can do anything that you want to do. And and I do have to give a big shout out to my uh, my mentors, uh, Mike and Steve, man. If you want y'all, bro, I want I want to have the mindset that I have because y'all brought me around things I never been around. So I, yeah. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate that for sure. Really appreciate y'all for sure. Tim, I really appreciate you for your time, bro. This this, this was really incredible. This was really incredible. I know it was like what uh, eleven. It's not thirty out here. Nah, third, yeah, yeah, man. Listen, it, it can definitely be a part two. It, de- it can definitely be a part two. Oh, Next cool. time, we'll do it in person. Next oh, time, we'll do it in person. That'll be dope. <laughs> That'll be dope. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, man, listen, bro. I really appreciate you for your time. Before we close, before we end this uh, podcast, do you have any more closing remarks? Though, uh, I don't necessarily got no closing remarks, man. But you know. With you, man, continue to do the things that you're doing, bro. Uh, failures, knowledge is, is, I think people may skip past that, but don't let them. You know, I think you should have everybody defining what failures, knowledge means to them when they come onto your platform. But this is yours, just like CNN or just like Joe Rogan or just like any other platform. This is yours, bro. And mm-hmm. you curate it the way you want it, bro. So I feel like, you know, just continue to do what you're doing, bro. Add, continue to ask questions. You know what I'm saying? It's no wrong question. There's no dumb question, bro. You're trying to move mm-hmm. forward in here, bro. So hats off to you, bro. Um, continue to do what you're doing, man. Anytime you need me, bro, shoot me a text. And I'm always right around the corner, bro. Man, and likewise, whenever you need someone or have a question, just want to talk, bro, I'm always here for you. I'm always here for you. Because even though you might be doing, you might think you're doing things by yourself, but you're dealing with things by yourself, you're not. Never alone. You got somebody that you can reach out to that can really understand what you're going through, which is me. My line is always open. My line is always open. And man, you, man. everybody, everybody in the tuned in, both Instagram and on um, Instagram. Oh, wait, both on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Man, I really appreciate you for your time. And if y'all really got value from this, man, share this live with somebody that needs to hear this. Because the conversation was good, and you can see that we're just actually just having a regular conversation. So listen, it, as we come to an end, continue to become the best version of yourself. Never, never, never stop striving to become better than yesterday because the day you do is the day that you gave up on yourself. We thank y'all. We love y'all. And y'all continue to be great and continue to believe in yourself. I'm going to end it now.
Oh, there you go.